Today's message is entitled Water Under the Bridge. And uh, when we changed the name of the church this past um, beginning of this year, January 1, to the bridge, uh, changing from Bethesda, um, we spelled out these messages. And certain times throughout the year, I, I put in messages with the title or the word bridge involved in those messages and today's message is entitled water under the bridge and a lot of us have used that term and coined that term in our conversations with those that we come in contact with and how many's ever used that term water under the bridge anybody that's water under the bridge and i looked it up online just to make sure that kindly because lewis county's got a way of twisting things in its own little way of doing business you know and and i looked it up online to just make sure kindly that it is what it supposed to be according to what I think so that I don't say something that is off collar or something that shouldn't be said in church. So I looked it up and Cambridge University uh, says water under the bridge, the phrase means problems that someone has had in the past that they do not worry about because they happened a long time ago and cannot now be changed. So when we use that term, Water under the bridge. We're saying that something has happened in times past between me and another individual or between me and another entity or maybe between me and others at work or maybe as at school, maybe wherever you're at, that you'll talk about it and you'll say that it's water under the bridge. And when you're saying that, you're saying you have let that thing go, that you've given up on the grudge that you maybe held for a while. And... I'm sure we're sitting in a group of perfected people here and we're just a bunch of perfect people and nobody in here holds a grudge in any way, shape, or form. We just let it all go and we just live a peaceable life and it's just a happy-go-lucky type of environment. And everybody just loves being around me because I'm so bubbly and my personality is just so great and people just, man, I can't wait to get a hangout with Ben again and all that. We just went camping this past weekend and I try to make it as miserable as I can upon everybody so that I don't have to go camping anymore. They keep inviting me back. I do it for fun. But, but it's water under the bridge. Just let it go. You know, Todd and Sandy was with us, so just let it go. Don't, don't hold that against me. And let it go. Elsa, maybe. I don't know. So when we use that term, we're actually making a statement that others understand that we're going to let things go. But in reality, most of us in this room understand how hard it is sometimes to let some pain go. To let the things go that hurt us. That Maybe somebody promised you something and maybe they said that they were going to fulfill a promise that they gave to you and then later on they backed out on it and it, it really hurt deep and it was something maybe that, I know we're all tough guys in here and all that, but maybe you was holding on and outside you tried to appear to all your friends that you didn't really bother you all that much and you didn't really uh, have that much, lose that much by losing that individual. But behind closed doors, you actually felt sorrowful and heartbreak and heartache happen. And whenever you feel those pains of life, because it happens to all of us. And Dusty articulated that about how that happened with Ruth, that she 
had to endure some pain that of loss of a husband, a loss of a brother-in-law, a loss of a father-in-law, and a, a loss of a sister-in-law that she had that claved to them, that turned and walked away. But when we go through this life, if we don't live a life that we allow water to go under the bridge, then we're actually just a dam. And a lot of our hearts appear to be that. That we've held back so many things for so long and allowed so many things to flow into our life, but we don't let it go out. It's actually like building a dam. Has anybody ever built a dam? We did in the creek when we was little. Me and Howie growing up, we'd go down and it wasn't a Briary Creek was really small and you couldn't swim in it, so we had to build a dam every year and we'd build up a bunch of rocks and pack them in there and then little rocks on top of that and create a place, a swimming hole that we had where we could collect water. Has anybody ever done that? You dammed up a creek and seen that and we had crawled at fights. We've done a lot of things and damming up some areas. But sometimes through the middle of the summer, when no more rains happen from the spring, that water staying in that pool without any fresh water coming in would become stagnant. It's when you get sores on your body that won't heal up. You're going down there swimming in green slime. It's probably a good sign that you shouldn't be in that. We wasn't blessed with a swimming pool. We had to build our own. And usually the more infested it became and the more algae that was growing on it, the worse it smelled. But it didn't bother us. We'd jump in anyway because we wanted to go swim. And after a while, you just get used to it. Maybe you had friends that come over and hang out with you or stay all night or something, and you take them down to your watering hole, and you've got this place dammed up and all this algae and, and just, just scum on top of water. You ever seen that? Just scum coming down the creek, and then get on top of that, and it, it's leaves and maybe all the uh, different stuff coming out of the air. And, and it's wonder we, well, we didn't have allergies back then because we was probably so immune to it from swimming in it. But as these things would happen... Maybe your friends would come and they'd be like, uh, I'm not, I'll just set this one out. I'm not going to swim in that, you know. That, that looks pretty pitiful. But we get so used to it that we, this is normal to us. But maybe other people thought like, you shouldn't be doing that. that don't, that's not too appealing, really. And I wonder if us, in this room, how many of us, if our life was a picture of a pool of water, would we be a well of living water? Or will we be a stagnant pool that other people say, well, they're not all that pleasant to be around? Because Christians are supposed to be people that impact other people and bring joy to other people's life. And I know in the Assemblies of God that they pay a lot of attention to the gifts of the Spirit. And there's all kinds of things listed in the Bible as far as gifts of the Spirit. And they are impactful things and very important things. But also in the book of Galatians it says that there is fruit of the Spirit. And I believe the fruit in society is just as important as the gifts are inside of the church. The gifts are to be used to the body of Christ to uh, encourage us, to strengthen us. But the fruit of the Spirit is what Christians bear out in public. Amen. And whether we realize it or not, there are others that are watching our life. And whenever they're around us as a Christian, we should be people that bring joy and love and peace and goodness and meekness 
and self-control and all these things that are listed in Galatians in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. What are you known as? In your Christianity, in others partaking of the fruit of your life, what are they eating? Because if we don't allow the water to go underneath the bridge and flow on through, we will become stagnant pools of our old selves. And I know what it's like to be born again, and I know what it's like to accept Jesus as the Lord of my life. And the freshness and the reality of a new lease on life. And how many's understood that? That whenever you got saved and you gave your heart to Jesus, that like a whole load lifted off your shoulders and the burdens and cares of this world were gone in an instant and you felt that freedom and it was so exciting and so renewing and refreshing. But later on, you stay in this Christian walk for so long and I've witnessed so many people come through the doors of the church, maybe in seasons of pain in their life, and they give their life to God. And within a few years, it becomes old news. It's like, well, I've, said, I've done that, I've seen that, I've experienced that, I've been through that in church. But there should be a renewing and a refreshing that happens in Christians' lives on a continual basis. I'm not saying that there's not seasons that you're going to have times where you don't feel God. Because I promise you, if you're a Christian long enough, you're going to go through a season of a dry spell and it's going to be a, a thing in your life where you think, where is He? Is He really there? You're going to question your Christianity. You're going to say, am I really a Christian? Did I really give my life to Jesus? I don't feel Him. I don't sense Him. I don't, I don't see Him around me. I don't see Him moving in my life like I used to. But if you stick with it long enough, you're going to find out that He will show right back up. And actually you'll find out that He never left you. That He was there with you all the time. But maybe you didn't see Him, but He saw you. There's an old image that the old church used to have in all the churches you went into. And it's footprints in the sand. It would show this picture along these footprints down along the beach. And the, the question was asked, God, where was you when I was walking through this sand? And it basically says that then you don't understand that I was the one carrying you. The footprint you see in the sand was Jesus. And some of those times of loneliness, of loss, the times where that you don't know what is going on and what's going to become of things, He's still there. I promise you that. And Jesus, this... As I was thinking about this message and how that there's water and how that the water under the bridge, and I, I, I looked at John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, I love reading the Gospels. There's always a feast going on. Amen. That's my kind of church. Amen. One that cooks all the time. We have potluck, and it's just awesome. I love going on a camping trip and everybody just having a bunch of food, and I get to eat from everybody's plate, and it's pretty awesome. I still kids chips just to make them mad. Jesus was at this feast and he stood up and he cried out and he said this, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirst, let him come to me. And Jesus was saying this in the middle of a feast. I'm sure everybody had already drunk of every other container that was listed throughout that feast. 
that people had brought some things and maybe some had these the water and some brought wine and some brought this and some brought that and they had all these things here to drink and I'm sure they was all not very thirsty in human form. But Jesus stands up and he says, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me and I'll give him drink. Because Jesus wasn't talking about a natural thirst. He was talking about a spiritual thirst. So I wonder today, how many of us are spiritually thirsty in this place where we're asking God and our soul and our spirit is crying out to God and saying, fill me again. Renew me. Refresh me. Pour into my life again. I'm thirsty, God. Where are you? And whenever you ask, you shall receive. So if your heart is crying out for Him, I promise you this. He's coming. He's going to come and He's going to fill you afresh and anew. So Jesus said, if anybody's thirsty, He wasn't talking about get you a mug and come on by and I'll draw water out of the well, just like the woman in John chapter 4. He told the woman at the well, I've got water to drink that you don't even know about. This woman was confused by it. She said, you ain't even got a bucket to dip down in the well. What's wrong with you? Jesus is the thirst quencher. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the thirst quencher. So if your heart and your spirit is thirsty for something new and something fresh, I promise you this, Jesus will not walk away and say, well, they're not worth my time or my effort. He gave His life on a cross of Calvary so that you could be spiritually renewed. He let people spit on Him and beat Him in the face and take a cat of nine tails and whip Him and lash His back for your healing. He is not going to walk away and say you're not worthy. He has already said you are worthy whenever He hung on that cross. He didn't come down. Angels could have come and got Him. He could have called for legions of angels, He said. But He didn't. Why? Because He cared about you. He took your place. He took my place. Verse 38 says, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in Me. So when we believe in Jesus, and we believe that He's the Son of God, And we believe that He died on a cross for us. And we believe and confess with our mouth that He's our Lord and our Savior. That's believing in Him. Out of our heart. Amen. Out of our heart shall flow rivers of living water. Out of Christians' hearts shall flow rivers of living water. Not stagnant water. Not water that's got a bunch of algae and a bunch of old rubbish and all different things in it. Out of our hearts shall flow rivers of living water. So I wonder today, as Christians, how many of us desire to be a source of living water to those that don't know God? There are people in your communities, in your uh, little clubs or in your little places of work or wherever you exist throughout the week. There are people that are desiring and hungry for the things of God. And you as a Christian, you are the conduit or the avenue that Jesus will use to be the living water that flows through you to others. And where we say this, 
How much water are you allowing to flow under your bridge? Have you opened up and said, I don't want to just hoard for myself. I don't just want to accept the things of God. And I don't just want to feel the blessings of God for myself. And I don't just want to pray that He would bless me indeed. But I want to pray that He would bless me indeed so I can be a blessing to others. I want to open up my heart and be a generous person. I want to be a person that cares and has compassion. That others, whenever they look to and they say, I'm in trouble, I'm in need, I'm in a place that I can't seem to get out of, that they have somebody they can call to. I want to be that person. Don't you? How many of you desire to be that person that others will call on whenever they're in trouble? And you want to be the type of person that will be there when they need you. That's what Christians should be. We shouldn't be the ones that people are afraid to confide in us or tell us about some issues going on in their life because they're afraid that we'll run around and blab all over town and tell everybody we come in contact with. That was a good place for amen. amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. It tells us not to be busybodies. The, the, the New Testament is aligned with these things that, that we shouldn't go around being busybodies telling everybody everything we know. Amen. When people tell us their troubles, they're not telling us that so that we can go puke it all over everybody else. We should be people that pray about it and get behind closed doors and go to our closet and kneel down on our knees and pray to an almighty God and say, help my brother that is in need. Help my sister that is in need. God, give them the peace that they need. That's what Christians should be doing. I'm not saying we're not Christians. I'm just saying as bridge people, I'm asking you to be better. I'm asking myself to be better. I'm asking myself, how fresh and how new am I? How much living water is coming out of me to the congregation of this church? Because when you actually begin to dam up water, talks about this in Revelations. One of the churches that the Spirit began to speak to in the beginning of the book of Revelations, and it said, I would rather you be hot or cold. You're lukewarm. And God says, I will spew you out of my mouth. I'll spew you out of my mouth. Anybody got some things you eat or maybe drunk something nasty? And if you hang around Sandy very long, I promise you will. She'll, she got all the worst tasting stuff ever. I usually try just to be on Team Sandy. Sometimes I just say no. She made me eat seaweed one time, and that was nasty. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I, yeah, you shouldn't eat seaweed. That's just not good. Everybody's got some kind of gag reflex about something. Asparagus, yeah, that sounds really, really good. It's probably healthy, so anything healthy is not good for you, or is good for you, and then you don't want it, right? That's automatic. I'd rather have the big chocolate thing. I'm kind of like Letty. Chocolate's my favorite. But there's things that makes you want to puke. And when I think about the food that I, I just can't stand, the worst thing on the planet in my mind, that I would, I'd probably just rather just starve to death and wilt away and be non-existent after is, is peas. 
Anybody like peas? That's the nastiest stuff ever. I mean, you just put them in your mouth, and they're, they're like this little ball, and it's got this little outer shell on it, and you think, man, this should be good, right? It's kind of got a little bit of a crunch or a little bit of solid to it, and then wherever it just, it just squishes out and just squirts all over your mouth. I mean, that's the nastiest stuff ever. Literally, if I just put a pea in my mouth and I bite it between, and when that junk and ooze and gum squirts out, I want to puke. Yuck. So whatever you can think about does that to you. I don't know what that is for you, but for me it's peas. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't stand, and then tell them whatever it is. I can't stand. Everybody in here, look at somebody and tell them, say, I can't stand whatever it is. Maybe, maybe you don't know whatever. I don't know. I like everything. Huh? I like everything. I can't, I like st- everything. I can't stand my husband. <laughs> yeah. Leslie's real thoughtful. She said she can't stand her husband. <laughs> I like how all the food. What a well of living like water. <laughs> Case in point. I think everybody understands. Sermon's over. I'll just call. I'm just... She likes her food. <laughs> I yeah, do. I like everything. Yeah. She tries everything. Sandy's got her to try stuff. That... Hey, isn't that seaweed on video? Yes, it's on video. Yeah, she can share it to the church's <laughs> Facebook page, and you can see my reaction. It's... Yeah, we all like seaweed either. Menu friends, London, we're the best. Besties. I really don't like it. And here it tells us in this passage in Revelations that God wants to spew out of his mouth. He can't stand the thought of lukewarm Christians. And I I would be lying if I told you that I've never been lukewarm. I would not be telling the truth. And during those seasons of lukewarmness in my life, usually it wasn't God that abandoned me but it was me that abandoned God. Maybe I quit reading scripture for a little while. Maybe I didn't go into the Bible as deep as I used to. Maybe I didn't study as much as I used to. Maybe I wasn't praying as much as I used to. Maybe I wasn't showing acts of kindness as much as I used to. And when I quit doing the things that I used to do, I shouldn't expect to keep getting the same results that I always had. Amen? Amen. And I'm not telling you when you read your Bible and when you pray and when you do acts of kindness and these things that you're always going to be on a mountaintop. There's going to be valleys, I promise you. But usually the farther I get from God, the more like me I become. Amen? Amen. The more like Ben I become. And it's been 20 years plus that I've been a Christian now.
and the hunger for God that I've experienced throughout seasons in my life is something that inspires me to try to go forward and get there again. Aunt Mary sent me a video this past week that she had found, and it's this young woman that's on a jog and praying and giving words of encouragement and words of knowledge and words of wisdom to people that would listen. And it was several minutes long, and a lot of times I don't have time. But I took time, and I watched the whole thing and listened to her, and you could sense an urgency in this young woman's voice about knowing that she was on this jog and she pictured Jesus out in front of her and, and he's keeping jogging and he's keeping going and setting the pace and she's letting up and she won't stay with him and next thing you know he goes to cross the hill and it looks like she's going to lose him and she ain't going to see him anymore. When she catches back up to him he stands there and waits on her. Jesus doesn't want to outrun you. There's nothing he desires more than having Christians to enjoy life and to enjoy church, enjoy community with each other. He wants to be a part of it. Amen. And I'm telling you this, as long as our church always accepts Jesus through the door, and if what's on our mind when we walk in here is not the cares and troubles and all the issues that's going on in our lives, but we come through these doors with an open mind saying, man, I want to come into church today and I want to walk out and experience the Holy Spirit and Jesus come into my heart and change me from the inside out so that I feel refreshed, I feel renewed, that I walk out changed. Amen. You'll get what you ask for. And I'm asking us as a church to begin to do that for the next several weeks as we come in leading up to the camping trip. I want us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because that's what the Bible says we shall be filled. Because I'm telling you this, that whenever we hold on to grudges and whenever we hold on to the issues that we're holding on to when we're most like ourselves and not much like Jesus, unforgiveness is the worst. Grudges are the worst. And people have hurt me. Does anybody say Amen. I've been hurt by humans. And some of them I don't like very much, Dennis. But the Bible tells me to love my enemies. To love those that persecute me. To love those that despise me. To love those that want to do me harm. And guess what? Whenever I do that, I can, feel, I can sense and know that there are living water. There is living water on the inside of me. And the minute that I give up on my grudge or give up on my unforgiveness or give up on whatever I'm holding on to, there's freedom that comes. And I'm asking you today to give up on those things that maybe you're holding on to. And maybe you're mad at God. There's people that is mad at God. I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've been mad at Him when He didn't do what I wanted Him to do. But guess what? If it had been my way, it would have been messed up anyway. If I was good at controlling my life, I would have never needed to become a Christian because I would have done a real good job at leading my life in a perfect form. But guess what? I had a mess when I come to Him. I didn't come to Him perfect. I come to Him a mess. And He helped me. Even though I I wasn't worth Him hanging on the cross. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I was that person. 
that he should have despised, but he didn't. He loved me like he loves you. And there's no person in this room, and you may be mad at God about something that happened. I'm here to tell you today, give it up. Let that unforgiveness go. Don't hold on to a grudge. Because if you forgive others, Scripture is very plain. Jesus said, I'll forgive you. If you'll confess me before others, I'll confess you for my Father in heaven, he said. There's scriptures all over the place. Peter told, Jesus told Peter one time to forgive those people that hurt him. Peter thought he was going to say something real smart, you know, compared to all the other ones, be like, wow, Peter's really got to figure it figured out. He's, he's awesome, right? That's how we all want to be. Peter said, Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Seven? How many ever forgive somebody the same, for the same offense seven times? I mean true forgiveness where you really let it go and you hug their neck and man, I love you and you're awesome. Thanks for doing me wrong again. <laughs> it don't work that way. And Peter's wanting to show off like this and say, look at me, all these other 11 disciples, you guys are a bunch of sinners. I'm going to be the mister. I forgive people seven times. And Jesus looks at him and says, it should be 70 times seven, Peter. That's 490 times. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person that Jesus tells me to do that, and I'm going to start my counting. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to start marking it off and counting it in fives where I can see real easy. Yeah. And whenever I get to 489, I'm going to be sitting there, yes, one more sucker. I'll give you one more. But Jesus is saying, it's endless. Quit counting. Amen. Quit holding on. He's telling you, let go, Peter. Peter, you're holding offenses. I'm telling you it's better for you to let living water come out of you. Quit spewing stagnant water, Peter. Let that water go under the bridge. Quit damming up all those feelings, all those emotions, all that pain, all that hurt. Well, somebody done me wrong back in 1952. So what? I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. This is a guy, his brothers sold him into slavery. He has 12 brothers, 11 brothers. And they take him and they put him down in a pit. And whenever somebody comes by and they see his caravan come by, they take him out of the pit and they sell him to foreigners. Yes. Sure How many of you have got brothers like that? <laughs> Amen. Dennis, you probably do. I don't know. <laughs> he laughed a lot. He's like, man, I, I, I resemble that remark. Joseph's brother sold him to slavery. How crazy is that? And then later on in life, a few years later, Joseph comes through all this, and we read the story, and next thing you know, he's in power, and his brothers go through a famine, and they come and don't even know it's their brother, and they come up at his feet, and they kneel down on their knees, and they're begging for food. Uh-huh. And Joseph looks at him, and he tells them, Lift up your head. And he pulls back the mask that he was wearing, and he says, Look, it's me, your brother Joseph. He said, you thought you sold me into slavery. But guess what? God brought me here to prepare me for you to come. Because God cares about you. What if we would treat our enemies the way Joseph did his? He could have held on to a grudge. He could have said, they're no good brothers of mine. I'll never do anything for them. I'll put them away, walking away sorrowful. But guess what? He didn't do that. He was a picture for us to go by. To let it go. How awesome is that? Jesus, it's a woman caught in adultery. They bring her to his feet and they, they ask him, they said, Jesus, what, what are you going to do in this situation? Moses told us to start. What are you going to do, Jesus? Yeah. 
Jesus could have said, yeah, I'll hold that grudge against her. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Old Testament. I'd rather stone people and kill people that do me wrong. That gives me a lot of sense of, of, of power, right? Jesus said, no. He stoops down on the ground, don't he? He begins to ride in the sand. And he looks up at him and he says, he without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says they walk away. From the oldest to the least, they begin to walk away knowing, man, I've got some sin in my life. And if I stone her for sinning, guess what? I've got to stone myself. And as they walk away, and it ends up that everybody's gone. That everybody's abandoned ship because they all know they're sinners. And guess who steps at the feet of Jesus? This woman sitting there waiting for somebody with her head bowed down to the ground knowing she's caught. And you can be assured that the sorrow that we feel when we know that we're sinning against God. And how we feel like, man, I know He's going to kill me for this one. And when everybody else and all of our accusers are taken away, and where we look at it, look up, it's just me and Jesus. There you go. You're not going to look into a man. There you go. Yeah. It's going to beat you with a rock. There you go. You're going to look into an arm of a Savior that reaches down and picks you up and saying you're good enough. Amen. And yes, you've done me wrong, but guess yeah. what? I'm going to forgive you anyway. Amen. And he told her, go and sin no more. That's what he's telling you. And maybe you've walked in this place today and you're thinking, Pastor Ben, you don't know how far I've went and how lukewarm I've become and how I've walked away from Jesus. I'm telling you today, he's standing here with outstretched arms and telling you, and he's going to tell you, go, don't sin no more. Amen. And if you come back next week and you do the same sin again, well, guess what? He's giving you a picture 490 times and he's going to tell you, go and sin no more. That's the type of Savior he is. I love the picture of forgiveness the best. Of Jesus hanging on a cross. His disciples had abandoned Him. The only one left there was His youngest disciple named John that hung out with His mom. And the other ladies were there. And Jesus hanging on this cross and going through this pain. He had been punched. He had been beaten. He had been spit upon. All these things that we talked about a moment ago had happened to Him already. And He's hanging on a cross with nails through His arm and through his feet. And he looks down. And what's his prayer to his father? Forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. And I'm telling you right now that the sinners out here in the world we're trying to live in as Christians, they don't even know what they're doing. And you may look at them and say, well, they're, they're ridiculing me and they're, they're persecuting me because I'm a Christian. Give it up. You're a Christian. You're supposed to be persecuted. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So whenever you go out and live your life here in this community, guess what? There's going to be people that don't like you because you're a Christian. That's okay. You know why? Because they're dealing with the pain on the inside of them and they're they're jealous that you have freedom. They're jealous that you have liberty. They're jealous that you have living water flowing from the inside of you. They're jealous of the joy on your face knowing you're the sinner that you are. Jesus prayed. They don't even know what they're doing. Dad, won't you just forgive them? How many of us would pray that type of prayer today? Stephen did the same thing. He cried out to God, forgive those that were stoning him when he was dying. Can you imagine laying on your deathbed for something that you didn't even do wrong? 
laying on that table in a prison, somebody walks up to stick a needle in your arm to inject you with those chemicals. Could you lean over and look at them? Say, Father, don't hold it against them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's a Christian. That's what Stephen did. And I'm sure it haunted Paul his entire life. All kinds of scriptures, plentiful. I'm tired. I'm not going to go any farther. I know you're tired. I love watching kids. Or I always done this several times and had little events where the kids' children's church could come and they'd have these water things and you know kids maybe they'd have a pool over here and they'd have water balloon fights and they'd have these but I love the little sprinkler things don't you watching a bunch of little kids look at her she's she's ready right now Linda's looking up like yeah where's that he said a sprinkler but there's something so refreshing about a sprinkler but that water hitting the air and coming back down and it's just the right temperature and it's just so refreshing and I love watching kids play in those sprinklers. Yeah. And as I think about us being from within us will be a river of living water that comes from the inside of us as Christians. Amen. There's two things coming from you. It's either hot or cold or it's lukewarm. book of James goes into great detail telling us how to take care of and how it's almost impossible to tame the most unruly member of the body. Yes. Amen. Everybody, everybody sick your tongue out. I know we're crone and all that, but just stay six foot from everybody. Uh, yes. Thank you, God. That God doesn't make us with a tongue like this one out. That He made us, that our tongue was in our mouth. That's it. <clears throat> he put it in your mouth so that you'd keep it there. And I want to challenge us this week as bridge people. Let's do our best to master this this week. To only say good things. To not spew hurt. To not gossip. To not backbite. To not cause harm. But let's do our very best. Because you know once I'm challenging this with this, that the enemy's going to come ten times worse He's going to have all kinds of situations going to happen to you this week where you're going to want to respond like you always have. I'm asking you as your pastor this week to do it, do the best that you possibly can. And even to go a step farther, because actually when you're gossiping to somebody or you're whispering to somebody, My mother always whispers. I had to look at her when I said that. 
she loves me. <laughs> it's like puking on somebody. Has anybody ever been around somebody that gossips and just lies and just constantly just stirring up strife and just, you know, it's a mess. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? And whenever you walk away from them, you, maybe you've been around 15 or 20 minutes and you ain't been around them for five years and you come around them and you've been around about 15 minutes and you walk away and it's like, ooh, I want to go take a shower or something. This is, feels like they puked on you or something. Amen. Let's don't be that. Let's be that shower. Let's be that sprinkler system. That whenever we're around somebody, that it'll light up their face like London's did a minute ago when I said there's a sprinkler. <laughs> that we think about joy, that we bring joy to people's lives. Amen. The Bible says it's most unruly member because you can't tame it. The Bible says, I know the one that can change old things to become new. Yes. I'm talking about God. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes, if you will? Just close your eyes. I want you just to contemplate for just a moment on. How forgiving am I? God, when I'm offended, how forgiving am I? And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart. He's not going to bring up those offenses. But in a still small voice, he's telling you right now, let those things go. Give up on your way and try God's way. Let that water go under the bridge. And let it go onto the sea, never to be remembered more. God is speaking. Are we listening? Nobody looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here that'll say, "I'm sick"? Speaking ill of others. Being offended. I just want you to lift your hand if that's you. If you're sick of speaking ill of others, being offended, and you're ready to give it up, amen. Thank you for those hands. Maybe you're sitting in this place today and been offended at God just as I said a little earlier you've got some questions you're asking why 
You're saying, man, I want to be in the family of God because this peace that you're talking about is something I want. This living water that you're speaking of is something I desire. And I want to be refreshed. I want to be renewed. And I'm ready to give up trying to fix it myself. And I'm going to ask God to come in and cleanse me from the inside out and fix it for me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hands. Anybody here? Amen. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Spirit is absolutely moving in the hearts of the believers in this place. He's stirring the waters and he's saying, let it go. everybody here if you would to pray this prayer with me everybody say heavenly father I come to you in Jesus name I'm asking you to help me forgive others help me to not talk about others help me to give up gossiping help me to be like you let me be refreshing those I come in contact with because I'm your representative I'm your ambassador to this earth forgive me and I promise to forgive others in Jesus name Amen Amen, Amen.